you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor Study. A while ago I was talking with a man who said, Pastor, what do you do when you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you go to church, you're part of a small group of Christians that hold each other accountable, and then you still sin? What do you do then? <laughs> and I said to him, you do the only thing you can do. You ask God's forgiveness, bounce back up, and move on. I've said on this show before, I'll say it again, one of the best sermons I ever heard when I was young was, every time you sin, you immediately do three things. Number one, you confess it. God, I sin. Number two, you put it under the blood. God, I believe Jesus paid for this sin, so I am forgiven. And then number three, you forget about it. God's forgotten about your sin. Forgive yourself and move on. What we're going to talk about in this program is, what do you do when you've sinned, when you've blown it? If you could take out your Bible, turn in the New Testament to 1 John 1.9. We're going to go verse, word by word through just one verse to talk about what do you do once you've sinned. Let's pray first. Father, we would pray for everyone listening to this program right now. Maybe there are people who are sinning and they're taking it way too lightly. Other people that have sinned and they're taking it so horribly that they can't even look at you. Father, we pray you teach us now what to do when we have sinned. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 John 1.9, here's what you do when you sin. Quote, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's go through this verse by, word by word. Here's what you do when you sin. First word is if. That word teaches Salvation is conditional. If you confess, he forgives. If you don't, he don't. You know, often we hear preachers talk about the unconditional grace of God, the unconditional love of God. And sometimes I think, what do they mean by that? If they mean that we're saved by grace alone and not by our good works, then I agree. Hallelujah. But if unconditional love of God means God loves everybody, Therefore, everybody will go to heaven because there's no hell because God loves unconditionally everybody. If that's true, then Jesus was a liar because Jesus talked about a place called hell where God will send people on the last day. So we need to be careful. Uh, the word if means salvation is conditional. Your salvation is conditional on you repenting and trusting Christ for your salvation. But if you don't trust Christ, then you're not saved. If... Next word, we confess. If we, the word we teaches this. Every Christian is a part of the church. The plural word we means don't try to be a Christian by yourself. 
a Lone Ranger Christian. Your flesh, the world, and the devil are too strong. God has given you something to protect you. It's called the church. Not if I confess, if we confess. It's a group thing. You know, here's a, here's a family from a church I served. And they went to church all the time, and all of a sudden they stopped going to church. And, okay, uh, can you tell me what's going on? Well, Jimmy has hockey practice now on Sunday morning, and we're not going to church now. Hello! Could we get our priorities straight? We means every Christian is to be part of a church. If you're watching this program and you don't go to church or maybe Christmas and Easter, you need to get into a church every Sunday. If we, next word, confess. The New Testament was written in Greek. The word confess is homo logeo in Greek. Homo means same, logeo to say. Literally in Greek, to confess means to say the same thing. Uh, in other words, you say what God says about your sin. So here's the next lesson. Agree with God when you have sinned. That's what the word confess means. I agree with God when I have sinned. I was on a plane and sitting next to, I think he was a professional athlete. He finds out I'm a preacher and he says he's a Christian and we talk. And then he talks a little bit about his womanizing. And I said to him, well, you know, it is a sin to have sex outside of marriage. Well, yeah, yeah, but whoever does that, rah, 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 rah. I said, well, 1 Corinthians 6, fornicators won't go to heaven. Well, yeah, yeah, but God made this way and God understands. And, and you know what I was hearing? I wasn't hearing confession. I was hearing justification. Let me tell you the opposite of confessing. It goes like this. Well, hey, everybody's doing it. Or, hey, um, all right, maybe it is wrong, but God forgives. Or, hey, uh, if my wife loved me better, I wouldn't have to cheat on her. Or this is a real popular one. Hey, God made me this way. <laughs> That's called justification. The opposite, what will bring you forgiveness, is called confession. It goes like this from the old Latin mats in Latin, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, meaning my sin, my sin, my own most grievous sin. When you sin, you don't justify it. That never works. You say, God, I can't. I agree with you. It was wrong. Forgive me. That's what forgives you. When you sin, you have two choices, always. Either you justify it, or you confess it and agree with God that it was wrong. I will tell you, um, this is tragic to me. Some time ago, I, I used to be an ELCA Lutheran. A few years ago, there was a trial going on in Atlanta, Georgia. There was a Lutheran pastor who had a boyfriend, and he was trying to justify his behavior that it's fine to be homosexually active in a pastor. He, a trial was going on because back then you couldn't do that in the ELCA. Tragically, you know what that church did, the denomination? Instead of agreeing with God that this pastor was sinning, they changed their rule so this pastor isn't sinning anymore. That not only has happened in the ELCA Lutheran Church, it's in the Episcopal Church in America, the United Church of Christ, and the Presbyterian Church USA. And you know how tragic that is? Because if you don't agree with God, confess that your sin is sin, you're not going to be forgiven. We have now whole denominations that are refusing to call sin, sin. Next, le next word. If we confess our sins, plural. Here's the next lesson. Get specific. Sins, plural. You don't pray at night. God, everything I might have done wrong today, forgive me. No, no, no. It's a little too quick and easy. God wants you to specifically confess specific sins so he can grant specific forgiveness and then give you specific victory over those sins by the Holy Spirit. So get specific. 
Having said that, don't overdo it. Don't be neurotic about it. Does 1 John 1, 9 mean I have to confess every sin I've ever committed in order to be saved? I hope not. Listen, we don't know half of our sins. We forget some of them. And, and, and if my sin, if my salvation depends on me confessing every sin I've ever committed before I die, nobody's going to heaven. So when, uh, here's what I learned when I was 12 sitting in Lutheran confirmation class. The pastor was teaching us on the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. And he said, that is a blanket prayer. When you're praying the Lord's Prayer, it says, God, forgive my sins, the ones I know, the ones I don't know, the big ones, the little ones, the ones I remember, the ones, all sins forgive. So do get specific, but don't get neurotic and over, overdo it. <laughs> all sins are forgiven through Christ, even the ones you don't know about and don't confess. What I teach in confirmation, I'll tell the students, you know, two Christians are in a car. They get mad at each other and while they're driving they have a fight. And one of the Christians says, well, GDU. And the other Christian says back, well, GDU. And then a bus swerves in front of them. Both of them die. They didn't have time to confess. And I say to the students, did they go to heaven or hell? Well, pastor, they went to hell. Why'd they go to hell? Because they didn't have time to ask God to forgive them. And I say, no, wait a minute then. My salvation depends on me having had time to confess all my sins. Oh, yes. I said, then nobody is saved. The hallelujah, the glory of the Christian faith is when Jesus died for our sins, he died for all of them, even the sins I don't have time to confess before I die, which is going to happen to each one of us. We're saved by grace, not by our works and whether we have time or not. So there's a balance in all this. I'll tell you, before we leave the word confession, though, one more thing. Let me tell you about a trap that I used to be in when I was a younger Christian. If I would confess a sin, if I would commit a sin, I'd feel guilt. And I'd say, God, please forgive me in Jesus' name, amen. And then if I still felt guilty, I would say, oh, God, please forgive me in Jesus' name, amen. And maybe five minutes later, I'd feel guilt about that again. Oh, God, please forgive me. And that was a real trap. And a Christian pointed me out. He said, Tom, you know you're calling God a liar when you do that? Because 1 John 1, 9, the verse we're going through, says, if you confess, he forgives. So he's, this person said, next time you sin, confess it once, and then let God forgive you, forgive yourself, and then move on. You don't confess it more than once. Because you're calling God a liar if you do. And I will tell you this. I think if you sin and you feel guilt, that's the Holy Spirit telling you to repent. But once you've repented and asked God's forgiveness, if you still feel guilt after that, that's not the Holy Spirit anymore. That's the devil trying to get you under condemnation. You know, it's kind of like this. Let's say you've got a little boy and he breaks the lamp. Oh, Daddy, please forgive me for breaking the lamp. Okay, son, I forgive you. And he comes back a little later. No, no, Dad, would you please forgive me for breaking the lamp? I told you, I forgive you. He comes back, no, not daddy, would you please, please? You start thinking, does this kid think I love him? <laughs> That's what we do to God when we come back, when we don't believe he fulfills 1 John 1, 9. He loves us. You know, and one more thing about confession. You will notice the word priest is not in 1 John 1, 9. Some of you were raised in a church where you were taught you have to confess your sins to a priest to be forgiven. Well, the word priest is not in 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9 is about you talking to God directly. Now, is it healthy 
to confess your sins to a priest or a pastor or a Christian friend. It is. In fact, James chapter 5 says, confess your sins to one another that you may be forgiven. And I'm big on this. I think every Christian needs a priest, a, a prayer partner, somebody to talk to about your sins. So it's healthy and good. But in this verse, and I think your, your healing is deeper. If you confess your sins not just to God but to another human, your healing is deeper. But in this verse, it's talking about you confessing directly to God. Next words, if we confess our sins, next words, God is faithful and just. Next word, next lesson, God keeps his promises. Have you ever wondered from 1 John 1, 9, how is God's faithfulness at stake here when he forgives me? Well, follow this. The old covenant didn't work when the Jews, the Ten Commandments, they broke them, they didn't work. The new covenant is, God says, come to my son, I forgive you if you believe in Jesus. When you are asking for forgiveness in Jesus' name. That's called the New Covenant. When Jesus gave the Last Supper, this is the blood of the New Covenant, that I shed this blood to establish the New Covenant. When you come to God in Christ's name, you don't come crossing your fingers, hoping you might forgive me. You come in confidence, God, I know you're faithful and just. You made a covenant with me that if I believe in Jesus, you promise to forgive my sins. I'm trusting you to keep your promise. That's how his faithfulness is at stake. So he always forgives the sins of those who come through Christ to him. Next words, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The word for forgive in the Greek New Testament is to let go, to release from a debt. So here's the next lesson. God is a forgiving God. He lets us go. <laughs> I toured Alcatraz. You can tour Alcatraz prison now. They take you out to the island. They take you on a guided tour. And at one point, some of the tourists do it, some don't, I, I did. They'll put you in a total confinement cell where they actually put you in by yourself and they close the door and it is so spooky. You can't see your hand in front of your face, it's so black. And then they let you af out after about, I don't know, 20 seconds. Boy, was I glad to get out of there. I mean, it was, can you imagine if God made you stay in your sin for eternity? And the wonderful thing about 1 John 1, 9 and about our God is he lets you go. He gets you out of there. You know, I, there was a man once who was just talking to me on and on about how sinful he was, and I sure hope God might forgive me because I'm such a wretch. And I finally said, God's a forgiving God. If you are uh, in Christ, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you, to let you go, to get you out. I will say this, Christian. You need to claim the forgiveness of your sins every day or Satan will have a field day with you. I have a, we had a radio show here in Minneapolis and a Christian call-in show and some, some Christian lady calls in, you know, Pastor, I, I got to disagree with you on something. And, you know, I, there's a certain man that was horrible to me and I've been a Christian for many years serving the Lord. Well, on his deathbed, five minutes before he dies, he converts. So he's going to heaven? I mean, he, he serves Christ five minutes, and I've served him all these years. This is not fair, she said. And I said to her, don't ask for fairness. Then we all go to hell, you and me included. And I said to her, yeah, uh, remember the story Jesus told about the laborers in the field? Some work all day long, they get the reward, but people that work just an hour, they get the same reward. I said, don't gripe of some. And she said, well, I've forgiven him. And I'm thinking, hmm, you want him to go to hell and you've forgiven him? I encourage her to get some counseling. Because listen, when God forgives somebody, that's a reason to rejoice, because he forgave you too.
Next, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins, and next words, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word forgive us in 1 John 1, 9 refers to our justification. It's a past tense thing to be declared not guilty of our sins because of Christ's death. The word cleanses us. He doesn't just forgive us and justify us. He then cleanses us. That refers to sanctification, the lifelong process of the Holy Spirit cleaning us up and sanctifying us. So here's the last lesson. God doesn't just forgive us. He also cleanses us. One of the most beautiful churches I've ever seen is in Reims, France, a cathedral from about 1200 A.D., if I remember right. When you walk through that cathedral, it's huge, it's gorgeous. You would not dream that in World War II, the Nazis bombed that cathedral to bits. And after the war, painstakingly, brick by brick, broken piece of stained glass window by broken piece of stained glass, they, they put it all back together, and it's a gorgeous cathedral. That's what sanctification is. God doesn't just justify us and forgive us through Christ. He also then sanctifies us. He makes us holy by the Holy Spirit, cleans us up bit by bit so we're ready to heaven, and, and he, he cleanses us. He puts us back together. Now we're kind of doing an experiment. You might be seeing this show for the first time. We've been on in Minneapolis for 23 years. We got enough funding to be on the air for now six months across the country. Pray for us if you would. We'd like to continue. You can go to pastorstudy.org if you'd like to support our ministry. But we've been doing this show for 23 years. We've seen some marvelous examples of God cleansing and putting people back together. We had a whole show with a former prostitute, and how God has changed her life. We had, we've had shows with drug addicts, and how God has put them back together. We had a woman that was deeply into New Age religion, and how Christ has set her free. So the, the point is, he doesn't just forgive us. He cleanses us and puts us back together. I'll, I'll close with this. There was an atheist years ago that was speaking in front of a group. And he held up the Bible and he said, what a joke. God takes a piece of mud, breathes into the mud, and creates a man. At the end, any questions? One man puts up his hand. He said, I won't argue creation with you, but let me tell you, there used to be a piece of mud in our town, one of the dirtiest pieces of mud in our town. God breathed his life into that piece of mud. This man is a new creature. That's me, he said. <laughs> Listen. God doesn't just forgive our sins. He then gives us the Holy Spirit, and he starts to clean us up. We won't be perfect till we're in heaven, but it's a glorious process by which he puts our broken pieces back together. So, let's review. What do you do if you've sinned? If your salvation is conditional, 1 John 1, 9. Do you believe in Christ or not? Second word, we, every Christian is to be part of a church. If you're trying to be a Lone Ranger Christian, give up. Get into a good Christian church that preaches the Bible. If we confess, that means we say the same thing God says about our sins. Don't just be too generic. Get specific. God, forgive me for this, for this. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. He's going to keep the new covenant. He's going to forgive the sins of those who come to him through Christ. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to let us go, to get us out of that prison cell, and to cleanse us. He doesn't just forgive us. He then cleanses us by the Holy Spirit. That's what you do when you sin. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of the scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, let's go a little further with what, we've been talk what you've been talking about. 
What do you mean our salvation is conditional? Aren't we saved by the unconditional grace of God? Yeah, no, we need to be careful about this. When I say salvation is conditional, I don't mean you have to do something and then God will save you because that's called salvation by good works. If I pray hard enough, if I, if I do enough good deeds, if I do this, no, no, we're not saved by what we do. We're only saved by what Christ did on the cross. When he said, it is finished, he meant it. It's only his death that will save us. So if that's what they mean by unconditional, that we're saved by God's grace alone and not by our good deeds, then I'm in total agreement. What I don't agree with, Jackie, is does the unconditional grace of God mean everybody goes to heaven? It can't mean that because Jesus talked about hell. You, the condition is that you repent of your sin and you trust in Christ. Is that something I'm doing then? No, it isn't. That's something the Holy Spirit does in me, gives me faith. Okay, you stress the importance of going to church. Mm -hmm. Does the Bible say anywhere that you have to go to church to be a Christian? Actually, Jackie, it does. Now, sometimes you hear this. Well, the Bible never says you have to go to church. As a matter of fact, it does. And I'll give you the verse for this. This is from um, Hebrews uh, ch chapter 10. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves, as some do, but... Uh, you know, draw together even more as you see the day coming near to encourage each other. So the Bible does say you go to church. Okay. So if you have to be in the church, how do you do make sure you join a good church and not a cult? Mm -hmm. or yeah, good. I've had, you know, people say, you know, I, can you recommend a good church? I say, well, first and foremost, stay away from the cults. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, the New Age churches, the Unity Church, the Christian Science Church, um, Unitarianism. Go to a good church that believes in the one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then um, you've got to be careful. Uh, you and I are Lutherans, Jackie. A lot of people watching the show are Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Catholics. You've got to carefully shop because some Lutheran churches are tremendous and very biblical. Some churches, Lutheran churches, I wouldn't send anybody to. So here's how you quickly church shop. You go to a church, you listen carefully to the sermon. Afterwards, you say, Pastor, can I just, I'm, I'm church shopping, Pastor. Can I just ask a few questions? Number one, do you believe there's a heaven and a hell, Pastor? A lot of pastors don't believe in hell anymore. Number two, do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? Number three, tell me what you believe about uh, the virgin birth of Christ and the miracles. Did they really happen? And number four, tell me your view on abortion, homosexuality. And if you get a lot of tap dancing, oh, that's a difficult question. You don't want that church. You want a pastor that says, of course we believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. Of course there's a heaven and hell. Of course the Bible is the word of God. It's really not hard. You can just ask, asking those questions, you can scout out what church is not to join. Okay, you said about we should be specific and confess specific sins. But again, that would take a person right. all day. Yeah. And, and so, can you reinforce yeah, that? And, and Luther 500 years ago, his point was you confess the sins that grieve you the most. And you make sure you get those confessed, but don't be so foolish as to think you've covered every sin you've ever done in thought, word, and deed. I think God kind of graciously doesn't show us all of our sins or we'd be overwhelmed. But we do need to confess the ones we know of and that trouble us. Okay, but if you do feel guilty, how do you know if it's from God okay. or from the devil? You talked yep. about both. Let, let's review that again. Jackie, if you sin and you feel guilty and you say, God, I am sorry, please forgive me and help me not do it again. In Jesus' name, amen. I think that guilt was from the Holy Spirit. But once you've done that, if you still feel guilt, you know, Jackie, you're still going to hell because of what you did, that's not the Holy Spirit anymore. That's the devil trying to get you to doubt, 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess, he forgives. Okay. I, you know, I, I'm kind of a guilt-ridden guy. I don't know why, but I've always been guilt-ridden. But there are other Christians, Jackie, that aren't guilt-ridden enough. They can do all, I mean, when I hear a Christian say, oh my God, I'm thinking, do you know that's wrong? Are you aware of that? So. 
people's personality can get into this, but there are Christians that need, I think every Christian needs, to have a few verses by which they battle guilt. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God forgives. Ephesians chapter 1, in Christ we have the forgiveness of our trespasses, the redemption through his blood. Just to know those verses and to quote them when you need to. And then to clarify something, did you say that you believe we must confess to a priest or a pastor to be forgiven? No. I said it can be healthy, but we're forgiven only by the Christ's death on the cross. So I believe, Jackie, if you die without having had time to get to a priest, you're forgiven and you're saved. I think that uh, it's healthy to confess to a, a friend. James 5, which is the chapter that tells us to confess our sins to one another, the word priest isn't in that verse either. So again, nothing's wrong with coming to me, a pastor or a priest, but it's not, an, it's not a requirement. What's required for faith is you trust in Christ, you repent, and, and again, Jackie, it's all by grace. You know, somebody might bring up, well, you're saying you have to repent and believe in Christ to be saved. Aren't you doing something? No. Those things, your repentance and your faith, are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Even God gets credit for that. So are saved totally by the grace of God. Okay. Now, you talked about the lady that called in on the radio show and that. So can you be converted on your deathbed and truly be saved? Yes. Now, now, Jackie, the thief on the cross was converted on his deathbed. So we know what happens. But... Somebody said to me, are you one of these preachers that thinks you can, you can repent on your deathbed and be saved because he didn't like that? I said, yes, but I wouldn't count on it. Meaning, and I said to him, there's a saying, he who waits till midnight to repent often dies at 11.30. You don't know you're going to have your last five minutes. You, you, you could be comatose. I mean, you're going to die in a, a car accident. And people who are w putting off their conversion till their last hour are playing with eternal fire. Well, the further part of that question is, is it wrong for that woman to ask you the question of how is that fair that somebody who's living the Christian mm -hmm. life and then someone who dies mm -hmm. on their deathbed and it... You know, it isn't fair, but also, it's also Jackie, it's not fair that God saved me. <laughs> I could give God, and he knows them, all kinds of good reasons. It wasn't fair for him to save this sinner. He did it anyway. So when I see somebody convert on their deathbed, I think, hallelujah, another one gets in. That's what I think. Well, Pastor Brock, what's happening now with this new ministry? Well, good, everybody. Let, let's talk real quick here, everybody. Maybe you're seeing this show for the first time because we had enough funding come in in Minneapolis for six months for us to go on this national network. Uh, we hope we'll stay on after six months, and that depends on our, the Lord and on you, our viewers. Would you pray for our ministry that God will use this ministry to wake people up in their churches? Some of the churches have gone astray, and, and to bring saving faith to those that are not believers in Christ. The way you support us, if God so moves, is number one, you pray for us. Number two, you can go to pastorstudy.org, watch our TV shows for free. You can contribute through that, or you can uh, support us by writing The Pastor's Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. So pray for us. We're glad to be on the air, and we'll see what the Lord does with this. We want to thank you for the prayers that have made this possible at this point, and we pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for tuning into the Pastor's Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry?
Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.